Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Let us pray. We sing all is well. This is a friendly mystery. And it is a mystery in all that we approach you, O Lord. It is often with heavy hearts and with bold dreams. Meet us where we are and open us to your word for us this day. Amen. Let us stand and sing together. this prayer of admission and we spend some time in silence and then we hear the words that Jesus has forgiven us rarely do we skip it in worship because we need it we need the space to admit to ourselves and to each other in a safe place that we mess up from time to time this week I was with some of my colleagues and we were talking about how you can survive success 
Like if you only understand yourself and how the world around you describes and defines success, you can look pretty good on the outside, but you can be dying on the inside. So it's really important that we be true to ourselves, that we open ourselves in humility to fully receive the love and fullness God offers to us. Let us pray together the words in your program and then in silence. Lord, we are overwhelmed and distracted by many things. Help us reach into our roots for your love. Catch us when we break. Forgive us. Heal us. Nourish us with your love. Amen. God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning great is God's faithfulness. Beloved, hear and receive the good news of the gospel in Jesus. We are forgiven, which means we get to live at peace. Amen. We forgot to raise the podium again. <laughs> Test, can you hear me? Is it on? Okay, cool. A few announcements before we get into God's word for us today. Um, our youth and tiny theologians are going to be meeting right after worship from 11 to 12.30 over in Kemper Corner. We're going to be asking the question together, why do bad things happen? So it'll be a good time. That was a joke. <laughs> um, one other announcement, our summer trips. Next summer, we have opportunities for kids all the way from kindergarten to seniors in high school to engage faithfully in service and in faith formation. So Kindness Camp, Montreat, and our middle school mission trip, all those signups are out and they're on the website or you can also find them in your program. So here now God's word for us today from Psalm 1. It reads, happy are those 
who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law, the Torah of God. And on God's law, they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season. And their leaves do not wither and all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today we continue a sermon series on trees. Last week, I preached about seeds about Jesus' challenge for the kingdom of heaven to start so small, comparing it to a mustard seed, about the seeds all around us, literal and metaphorical, that work together when planted to bring about God's coming kingdom. Today is a sermon about roots. It's the logical next step in the evolution of a tree. And in many ways, it's the logical next step in the evolution of our faith and the development of who we are as seeds planted in God's forest. Growing out and up, but first growing down. But first being rooted so that the wind does not drive us away. It's a sermon about finding our base, finding our support in the midst of turbulence. And roots don't get a whole lot of love. How many times have you sat under the shade of this beautiful oak tree and said, man, I thank God for roots on a day like today. The thousands of people that flock to Asheville in the mountains each fall to gaze at the red, orange, and yellow colors aren't called root peepers. Most often roots are either ignored or they cause trouble. They push up our sidewalks, they crack our foundations. They cause people like me to lose my footing and they burst our water pipes. But without roots, trees would have no way of gathering water. Without roots, trees would have no nourishment. Without roots, they would fall at the slightest breeze. Without roots, there would be no trees. There would be no forests. They are the hidden, subtle force that allows trees and all life to flourish. This past week, I got coffee with a friend who talked about the importance of her own roots, her grounding. Senior year of college can feel overwhelming. The constant pull of various events, social gatherings, tailgates, classes, jobs, applications, friends, family, and more. We get pulled in different directions and it's easy to lose our footing. It's easy to forget who you are and who you want to become. And in our conversation, she spoke about being rooted through God by starting a Bible study, about finding God in her outdoor adventures this past summer. She spoke about finding her roots by digging deep into scripture, seeking out and nurturing relationships that are built on love and respect and finding her roots by prioritizing the parts of her life that both challenge her 
and nourish her soul so that she too can be like a tree planted by streams of water. I was personally amazed at the wisdom and the awareness to push back against the automatic tendency to settle for whatever is right in front of us. And the intentionality it has taken her to stay grounded in Jesus, in relationships, and in love. I mean, how often do we plant ourselves in places that do not nourish our soul? Do we find ourselves in jobs, in relationships that drain more than they nourish, stuck in the autopilot of life? Do we get caught up in what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to say, that we wake up one day aware that we're sitting in rocky soil, seemingly far away from the nourishment that God offers? Planting ourselves next to the stream requires intention and the awareness to find it. And my friend's experience is not unique to college. It's very universal. I've seen it in middle-aged men, in struggling parents, in tiny theologians, in myself. We all need roots. We all need grounding. For the Hebrew people that originally heard and sang Psalm 1, they needed roots too. Centuries of times lost in the wilderness, kingdom building, temple building, temple destruction, war and conquest by foreign invaders, exile to distant lands, and a lack of grounding has left them traumatized, unsure, and afraid. The author Rachel Held Evans, when talking about reading from the Old Testament, emphasizes that the collective trauma of the Hebrew experience cannot be emphasized enough. It is crucial to our understanding of what is being said and written to know that it was intended for a group of people that knew suffering. And they're looking to be grounded in something greater than themselves so that they as a people within their suffering can grow and can prosper. Hundreds of years later, we, downtown church, return to the wisdom of Psalm 1. And we do so looking for roots, looking for how we can stand tall, how we can grow strong and help make this world flourish to be the community that God challenges us to make. And Psalm 1, if you're looking at it, makes the distinction between two types of people, the happy and the wicked. And I initially just wanted to include the happy part because I didn't like the wicked part. I don't like the polarization. I think that we all fall somewhere in the middle, simultaneously sinner and saint, capable of good, but we are infected with evil. But for the sake of the psalm and the sermon, let's talk about how to be a part of the happy or blessed group. Because when I read this psalm, I want to be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. I don't want my leaves to wither and all that I do, I want to prosper. I want to be that, don't you? Stand tall, prosper for God in all that we do. Yes, please. So while writing this sermon, I started researching trees, looking for the perfect metaphor that's really going to make this sermon land. Finding something that would bring it home to the point that it's important where we are grounded. 
that we should dig our roots deep into the earth, deep into God, deep into scripture so that we may grow tall. And the species of tree that kept coming to my head was the coastal redwood. It's the tallest tree in the world. These massive trees are found in California and in Oregon and can grow up to 380 feet tall with circumferences of 16 to 18 feet. For comparison, the tallest building in South Carolina, the Capitol Center, is only 349 feet tall. I'm no engineer, but I imagine that the structure underneath these tall buildings and any tall building is it runs deep into the bedrock. It dives far below the surface with tons and tons of concrete and steel. And trees need foundations too. So I began, before doing any scientific research, imagining this great metaphor of the roots diving deep into the earth, into the bedrock, into the darkest parts of who we are to find that grounding. Deep, strong roots, that is how these trees grow tall. And that's how we will grow in our faith too. We must know every part of the Bible. We must know everything we believe in and we must have a rock solid statement of faith, sure and strong with zero doubt. How frustrated I was when I learned that these trees soaring to heights of over 30 stories tall, that their root systems only reach about 10 feet below the surface. If you are a visual learner, if my six foot six inch frame was a tree, my roots would go two inches into the stage. This doesn't make sense. This ruins the whole sermon. (laughs) Are we not supposed to dive deep into the Torah, deep into an understanding of personal relationship with God? And you think with the forces of wind and rain against these redwoods with such shallow roots, so top heavy, you think they'd fall over at an enormous rate. But they don't. Over millions of years, they have adapted. Although their roots are only 10 feet down, they reach over 100 feet wide. And redwoods grow next to one another in groves. And just below the surface, their roots, they intertangle and they connect. They support one another. They turn this forest of seemingly independent trees and create a community that relies on one another, that holds one another up. Most anyone who has lived and lost knows the reality of communities like these. We know the importance of communities like these. Let's return to the psalm once more. It reads, happy are those. They will be like trees planted by streams of water. In all that they do, they will prosper. It's plural. It's a community to worship God, to love God and be grounded and rooted in God. We must do so in community. As much as our modern Western context has emphasized a personal relationship with Christ, notice that the God we see in the Old Testament leads the community of Israelites 
from bondage to freedom. Notice that Jesus in the gospel walks with his group of disciples, preaching to the masses and feeding the thousands. And notice that Paul, Peter, and the apostles create churches, not individuals. It appears to me that God is more interested in communal flourishing and planting forests rather than just one tree. The roots of the redwood and the words of Psalm 1 are a challenge for us to continue to make communities where our roots intertwine, where we dig below the surface level nonsense that only serves to divide us, where we dig below to connect with one another, to lean on one another when the winds and rain of life come storming in. And the truth is we might end up growing in different directions. We might end up fulfilling different needs, but we must remember that we are rooted in the same ground, rooted in the same God and connected always through God's Holy Spirit. Last week during worship, we baptized a child of this church. In a moment, we will take communion at God's table. These are the two sacraments of the Presbyterian Church, and notice that they are done not alone, but together. Even our sacraments, our sacred rituals at their core, force us to reach out, to be church, to be a forest of intertwined, interconnected trees. And it's easy to feel our roots connected as we baptize a child as we say we do to raising this child in the church. It's easy to feel our roots connected when we come forward for communion. But it's hard when someone cuts you off on Gervais. It's hard when you're standing in line at the grocery store in a rush and the person in front of you in the express line definitely has more than 10 items. In those moments, it's so easy to slump back and say, all I need to do is love Jesus. All I need to do is delight in God's law. But Jesus mirrors the wisdoms of the redwood, reminding us, challenging us that the way we serve Jesus, the way we love Jesus is seen in how we treat those who suffer and how we treat those on the margins, and how we treat those who we don't want to love, the people that frustrate us, how we love the child who talks smack, how we respond when our patience is long gone. And the difficult part is that response must be love. Jesus' greatest law was to love God and love your neighbor. May we be rooted in God by being rooted in our neighbor. Amen.
Friends, as we come to this time of communion of the Lord's Supper, we remember that this table is Christ's. It is not ours. No matter what Dawn or I say or what our elders say, we do not exclude people from this table. Christ welcomes all. He welcomes all to eat, to dine, to laugh, to question, to ponder, and to be reminded that they are beautifully made in God's image and are made to love one another. So please join me in the great prayer of thanksgiving found in your program. The Lord be with you. And And also also with you. you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let us pray. Loving God, it is right to give our thanks and praise to you. For you created this world for us to live in. You give us breath every morning. We give you thanks for your son, Jesus the Christ, who chose to be born into this world, to walk among us as sinners, to teach us when we did not listen, to love us when we did not deserve it, 
and to bear the weight of our shame, of our pain for us, God. We praise you, joining our voices with choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he that your son, Jesus, taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night when Jesus would be betrayed, he got together his group of friends, and he gathered them around this table, and he gave thanks for the meal, and he took the bread, and he broke it. And he said these strange words. He said, this bread is my body, and it's broken for you, for all of you. Whenever you eat of this, remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And after he had given thanks to God, he poured it out. And he said to them, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink. Don't forget. Scripture tells us that as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim Christ's saving grace until he comes again and he is coming again. These are the gifts of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. This time I invite the elders to come forward. God, you give us good gifts. These gifts of bread and cup are among them. Thank you for filling us up. Thank you for giving us roots that interconnect, that fill us with exactly what we need. May we go from this place and respond to your grace by giving of ourselves and our gifts to one another. May we take responsibility for this community that you have given us and care for one another. May we be your hands and your feet and your elbows and your knees moving ourselves and others to your presence. Amen. Let us stand and sing.
before the benediction, I just want to say often preachers end up preaching sermons to themselves. And today's sermon was particularly helpful for me as a tree that in the next hour or day or week will be holding on to a newborn baby. So if you see me, if you don't see me for a few days, that's what I'm doing. And I know that my family, Gardner Brooks and I, will be relying on the roots that we have in this community, and we are so grateful for that. So hear this benediction. I wish we could change the words of that song. Instead of, I shall not be moved, we shall not be moved. Let us support one another. Let us love one another. And as you go from this place, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Go in God's peace. Hallelujah. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.